Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige movie. Today, we're talking about the 2004 Black Existential Comedy, directed by David O. Russell, who you might recall also shot Three Kings, starring George Clooney et al., Mm -hmm. Uh, The Fighter, Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle, all movies that I I really like. He's uh, also directing the upcoming Amsterdam. Uh, It's a screenplay co-written by Jeff Baina, which I didn't see. I guess he has several other screen credits, none I recognized. Uh, This has a nice score by John Brion, who you might recognize uh, from the score of Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Synecdoche. I think it's how you pronounce that in New York. Uh, and Lady Bird does a lot of indie weird films. Uh, the cast is stunning. Dustin Hoffman, Jude Law, Jason Schwartzman, Lily Tomlin, Mark Wahlberg, Naomi Watts, Isabella Huppert. Huppert? I'm not really sure I pronounce her name. Jonah Hill. Early Jonah Hill work. Bob Gunton, Ta- uh, Talia, Talia, Talia Shear, Shire. Uh, Rocky's wife, uh-huh. Gene Smart, Kevin Dunn, Richard Jenkins, and Shania Twain. Feeling like a woman. Uh, Damn. This is one of my favorite films, and I've seen it. This is the fourth time I've seen it, and I haven't seen it for three or four years, and I find myself growing in appreciation and estimation of this movie day by day. I can't wait to talk with you about it, Jim, but first... What did you think of this David O. Russell film? Uh, I want to talk about what Roger Ebert thought of this movie first. Before, Boy, I've got some things to say, too. Yeah. <laughs> before I say what I thought, because he had to watch it twice. I, it's rare that I see Roger Ebert go, hmm, I need a second watch on that thing. I don't know if he was in the wrong mood at the film festival he was watching it at uh, and he just couldn't pay attention or what. But he had some trouble with this one. Uh, I can see why, though. I could definitely see why. Um, I was looking back through some of his reviews that uh, of movies he didn't like, but are classics like Clockwork Orange, Donnie Darko, Fight Club, like just a ton of movies that you would expect him to be really high on because general sentiment is. Um, and he's he's not big on them, or he wasn't when he first saw them, and I feel like. Mm. I feel sort of like him, I, I, although I think I liked it a lot more than he did because I found it very funny, first of all. And I found it to be a lot tighter and a lot less messy, I guess, than people give this movie credit for. At the beginning, yeah. I, I so based on the beginning of this movie, I thought it was in for a real brain numbing thing. Like, I'm going to have to like just be constantly on figuring out like these existential questions and wondering how I feel, wondering what the movie is trying to say. By the time I got to like the three quarters mark of this movie, I stopped taking notes because I'm like, well, I'm either I'm either going to get what this movie is going to say or I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And at the very end, I definitely felt like I understood exactly what it was trying to say. I didn't think it was as chaotic and confusing as I feared at the beginning. And I ended up really liking it. I, I thought the message that it's delivering which we can talk about what that might be here in a minute but i thought that was pretty compelling and like i said i thought it was very funny in places when i read roger ebert's review this might be the first time i've actually read his review of this movie i was kind of shocked 
at the antipathy and uh, indifference that he showed towards the material. Like, I really was mm-hmm. like, I couldn't. I'm like, wow. Um, you know, and every once in a while, Roger will throw you like that because he's got his his bugaboos. Um, he honestly comes across as Jason Schwartzman's parents in this movie. I thought that's <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> All right. Um, but I. I when I first saw, heard this, saw this movie, of course, I was, it's 2004. And I was still kind of like in the middle of the whole witness thing. And I wasn't just watching rated R movies willy nilly. So like I saw this and I saw Naomi Watts in a bikini and I saw like the Jude Law and it came across to me as like a satire of the Walmartification gotcha. of America. And I'm like, I don't really give a shit about that. So I'm just going to hit pause in this movie. And years later, I met Cecily. And when we uh, moved in and started kind of like doing the like, well, you know, you show me your favorite movies, I'll show you mine. She mentioned this movie. And I'm like, huh, that's an odd choice, but whatever. And I watched it and I, 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 I was blown away because even though I only agreed with about a third of the movie back in those days, it's really effective. It's it's a compelling drama. It's well written. It holds together well. And as you mentioned, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie has a lot working against it. I Dustin Hoffman is like my least favorite actor in the world. <laughs> he is the my um, uh, who's the goddamn uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. He's the uh, male Gwyneth Paltrow. It's like I don't know why. I know he's well regarded. I know he's done a lot of stuff that I respect and admire. I just don't like him. I just don't like him. Um, but I think he's amazing in this role. And so is a little Everyone does exactly what they need to do in this film. And this film has every time I watch it, I realize not because the, the movie shaped me, but because of things I've realized that I think this movie sums up my entire life philosophy. Okay. Uh, it you know by the time it careens through like a pin pinball and uh, or a pachinko machine and gets to the bottom, like I think whatever slot this movie occupies is lines up with my personal ethos like one to one. I let me throw this out there. Yeah, is this movie all that dissimilar in its message from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? <laughs> Be excellent to each other, right? Isn't that just what this movie is all about? Like everything's connected. So be excellent to each other, I guess. But it also explains why it's not the end of the world when we're not. Okay. You know, sure. and that like, yeah, it's we, the other side of there, that coin too. Yeah. There, there, there is, it's like, well, what happens when we're not excellent to each other and things kind of suck, Bill and Ted, yeah, yeah. when things aren't <laughs> awesome and tubular and all that, you know, and, and life has to go through shit and, uh, or you have to go through some shit in life, I should say. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think this this message of, I mean, this is just a lot of. Sure, it's 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 existentialism and you know nineteenth century, early twentieth century uh, Western philosophy, but it's a lot of Eastern philosophy, and in terms of like, you know. Gosh, it's it's like this. I, I keep on thinking about the. Um, philosophical debate we had with the philosophy professor in Westworld. But like, you know, it's kind of like a lot of times you get the reputation of like people trying to pursue Zen or enlightenment as kind of like this artsy fartsy kind of thing. But I think it's a, it's a, it's an embrace of a universal truth that in every life, there is going to be some measure of pleasure and there's going to be some measure of pain. Mm -hmm. Um, Why would you go and try to get more? of pain and the chief way to do that is to actually have a desire 
you know, like incidentally life having pains yeah. and pleasures, you deal with those. But like to actually go and seek out something and, and seek heights of an experience is like you're 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 fucking yourself. You're fucking your mind. You're fucking your karma. You're doing all this kind of stuff. I feel like there's a compelling message of that in the movie, too, that I really admire this kind of like being balanced and um, accepting things for what they are and, and seeing the truth that, that we are all connected, that some of us might be up, some of us might be down. But there is a tug and a, a, a tug and pull and a, and a push and pull between all that stuff happening all the time in a very, I don't know, George Lucas, the force kind of way. Sure. No, that line from uh, Dustin Hoffman early on where he's talking about the blanket, right, philosophy. And yeah. he says, once you get the blanket, you'll understand the what you want, you already have and what you want to be, you already are. Yeah, uh, I think is, yeah, a little a little bit of where that like Eastern philosophy meets Western stuff there. Totally. And there's so many great scenes like Lily Tom. There's the how am I not myself scene. I think about that all the fucking (laughs) time. How am I not myself? Yeah. How How am I not myself? The dismantling of identity, right? Yeah. 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 I feel like at this point in the podcast, I need to take my my spectacles off because there's just there's so many layers of glass between you and me, Jim. I I don't think you can. (laughs) You can get it, get it, get I don't think you can really grapple with my infinity, uh, you know, mm. with with my eyes covered this way. But th- there's a lot of I, there's a lot of like really classic lines. And um, oh, yeah. I, this is a movie that really um, sold me on Naomi Watts, too. OK, because, you know, you think from the po- like from the posters and from the trailers, she's just like this ditzy bikini girl, which she is. Uh-huh. But like she really crushes the existential path that she carves through the movie, too. And I really like how the four principles are all kind of like embody different aspects of philosophy in terms mm-hmm. of like existentialism and um, I not yeah nihilism and uh i forget capitalism the, like, well <laughs> there's like the it's, it's like, like capitalism. Not, there's gnostic and then the the or the holistic and whatever the anti-holistic is too i think that's what mm-hmm. naomi watts versus um uh, uh jude law is but it's also it's it's very also sells the something that i you know that that's always wrong true with me is that the opposite of crazy is still crazy because sure. Jason Schwartzman and, and uh, Mark Wahlberg in this movie are like a man who compromises everything versus a man who compromises nothing. And they're both ineffective and get nothing done. Uh-huh. You know, and Jude Law thinks he's the man in the middle, but he's not because none of his goals and like none of his uh, things that he's projecting out in the world matches like internal state. He's wearing a mask, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's great. I I really dig it. And uh, yeah, uh, it's my first time seeing it. And I always confused this movie with the movie Igby Goes Down, which I have not seen. And I always think <laughs> when I, I haven't seen that either, Huckabees, I think, oh, that's the movie with uh, Jeff Goldblum. Right. And and Kieran Culkin. No, and I don't know why I confuse him. I think it's just the names are like similar ish. I don't know. Some weird thing in my mind. But so here's the thing. This is this movie is also kind of like it's its own personal Zen cone, you know, parable for me, too, because. You know, what if you found out that behind the scenes of Mr. Rogers neighborhood, who I think, you know, that's a man who's pretty righteous and he gives a pretty compelling portrait of humanity. It's hard to live up to, but, you know, he's putting it out there. What do you find out behind the scenes that he was just a profane, abusive, self-loathing asshole? Mm hmm. 
you know, change my opinion of uh, everything of all of his work. Sure. Yeah. So like when I saw this movie, I kind of thought and I I, kind of realized I think I knew that David O. Russell had done Three Kings at that point. But I always thought that he this guy was essentially kind of probably a Wes Anderson type dude, you know, that, uh, you know, maybe he's intense. He definitely wants uh, what he wants in front of the glass, but he's probably not one that's going to be super beautiful. David O. Russell is one of the biggest Hollywood assholes in terms of being just an just a, a maniacal director. There is mm. clips from this movie of him screaming in poor Lily Tomlin's face uh, over her supposed blown takes and Dustin Hoffman just kind of standing in the corner, impotent and embarrassed. And Lily Tomlin is uh, uh, mortified, but and this man, this man is just screaming like inches from her face, like uh, uh, just just the worst kind of like abuse. I guess things got so bad on Three Kings that George Clooney headbutted David O. Russell because of the way he was treating the cast and crew. Uh, I've heard this from I can't remember the others. And Mark Wahlberg famously just in his youth as a teenager, I think 17, 18 year old, just beat the holy hell out of uh, Asian man in California till we blinded him. All right. And has never acknowledged, really apologized or made restitution. So it's like, what do I make out of this movie that's made by, you know, some truly awful people? But it also is 100 percent what I think my life philosophy is. Sure. How how am I not myself, Jim? <laughs> how are you not yourself? Yeah. How, how am how I not, not David, David O. Russell? Russell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, we're connected. We are. We're just. Everything we just. Is. We just. Everything's connected. The blanket reached out over the internet. Um, God, if you yeah. have no, if you've not seen this movie, this is probably just uh, the most opaque <laughs> podcast, <laughs> right? That's ever been recorded. Um, yeah. Aside from the themes, let's talk about like, what do you think about the worksmanship, the acting, uh, the writing, all that, the score of this movie? Because I want to get to a place where we can talk spoilers. Oh, I I, I think it's great. I think the, um, the actors all nail it. I, I'm not a particularly big Dustin Hoffman fan. I've seen and liked some of his works uh, before, both dramatic and comedic. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge fan of Jude Law, more so recently. Um than in this era but he's always uh, done good work right it, yeah i feel like he's getting he's getting better opportunities later to do more interesting stuff i feel like before he was kind of typecast as you know the the just beautiful guy because uh, honestly he is but like i sure but here's I, a beautiful guy with a lot going on under the hood you know, yeah yeah out. so that that's the thing this kind of changes my perception of the older work that he did this mm. and um Gattaca shit what's no no although he's good in that what's what's um talented Mr. Ripley yes talented Mr. Ripley that changed because I saw that for the first time doing one of these podcasts too and that changed my opinion of him sure uh Mark Wahlberg is kind of Mark Wahlberg I don't know I I have a complicated relationship with Mark Wahlberg because I started watching his stuff when I was in my early 20s Right. And Marky Mark era. And he's really into the vibrations that he's given off. It it was definitely after uh, the the after him showing his dick on screen or whatever. Uh, <laughs> what the, the, Boogie Nights. The, the, the Dirk Diggler of it all. Yeah. 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 Um, That's another one you got to do. And, and so I think I liked his stuff a lot more because it had like 99 percent of his stuff has this macho attitude. 
and I was way more yeah. into that when I was in my early 20s. Um, uh-huh. Nowadays, I have a complicated relationship with him because I don't think he's a bad actor. I think he's actually pretty good at sure. what he does. But then he does some real shitty movies, some movies that I probably wouldn't agree with the philosophy of. I'm kind of surprised to see him in this movie because it is a little bit more of a thinker in places. But that says uh, he's that like a, a he's like a meathead nihilist. In this, yeah, absolutely. And he's played with the same affect as his high school biology teacher from The Happening. Like this kind of bewildered <laughs> Dude, intellectual. That is exactly what I was thinking the entire time. Is this yeah. is The Happening, except it, it, this is the prequel to The Happening or something. I thought, I, I it's because like, yeah, there's something about, like Marky Mark's many things, but uh, I'm not even say he's stupid because I think he plays characters with the raw intelligence like in the, uh, oh God, what the was that? The is a good example of that. Like I... I think yeah. he's incredible in the fighter. Uh, what was the, the departed? Departed is what I was thinking. Where it's yes. like a lot of times, it's like he buries like when he plays a really in uh, per- uh, perceptive character, uh, intelligent character. It's buried under like seventeen layers of working class signifiers. So it's like you know mm-hmm. you're kind of conditioned to hear a guy with this towny accent and think, oh, what a fucking chuckle chuckle fuck. But it turns out he's like the sharpest guy in the room. Yeah. Um, he. he's not playing that here he's playing like a guy but kinda I don't know it's like it's weird it's like that's just why it's like philosophy is dangerous if you read one thing and then stop there it's like almost like you have to go to philosophy like it's a buffet and try everything Mm -hmm. before you can arrive at one truth because if you just get like one you know kind of thesis handed to you and you're like and that's what I felt like this guy did he got like one piece of information that he latched onto and went to the extremes with um, and Marky Mark does that kind of character really well and as they say you know in the movie is the case ever really closed right uh, mm. y- you can't read one thing about existentialism and think you have it all figured out uh, yeah. yeah so I, d- I don't know um, Naomi Watts is a wild card for me because I don't know that I've seen a ton of her stuff I think she's really good in this uh, but man I'm trying to remember other things well, I've seen Drive, King Kong well, I hate that movie uh, uh, wasn't she also in The Ring the original Ring maybe maybe if, if so I didn't know who she was at the time yeah uh, but Lily Tomlin is excellent I, you know who I actually like who doesn't get enough credit probably particularly for this movie is Kevin Dunn. He's the kind of ineffectual asshole from uh, Veep. And yeah, he's the face. Yeah. He's like the senior partner in Huckabee's or something. Uh Senior executive. And I think he is great in this movie. My favorite scene in this entire movie is when Naomi Watts has her breakdown uh, because she's being Uh replaced by Heather and mm-hmm. she walks up to him. Yeah, what does she say? She says something about. Uh, hold on. He, he he tells her you've been given everything by Huckabee's. They're trying to get her to take the stupid bonnet off, and right. <laughs> he says you've been given everything by Huckabee's, and she just whispers into his ear, "Fuckabee's." Yeah, <laughs> and then <laughs> like leaves the leaves the room, and then he's like, "Somebody get her, get her." She said, "Fuckabee's." <laughs> Uh-huh. Just like it's really, really that is funny. so good. Just it, it doesn't sound good out of context, but in context, it's hilarious. 
Honestly, her when she has her existential crisis and she's oh still trying God. to do the Huckabee spots and she's like just monotoning, mm-hmm. you know, this is what's hot. Last year, same time, not so much. <laughs> this, this is the truth that she's holding up this year's shoe or whatever. It's yeah. It's, it's like as I say, it's like I wasn't, I wasn't wrong about this being a satire about the Walmartification of America either. Mm-hmm. It's like it yeah. is that, but it uses it as kind of like a backdrop and it's, it's a little bit about environmentalism and a little bit about, you know, the tension between productivity and human health and happiness. And, but mostly it's an absurdist comedy that I think lands really well and has a pretty useful uh, framework by which to kind of, it's not so much to live your life, but how to react to life, Hmm. you know? Okay how to take take your take your punches uh, roll with the punches you know keep on the balls of your feet um stay in those what the those those moments of balance and and how to return those to to that state of balance when you get shoved off kilter um, let me say something that might that will possibly put people off but intrigue others hmm. i feel like this is the most jason schwartzman movie ever made yeah it's definitely one of those, like, other than, like, a Wes Anderson role, this is kind of, like, what he was put on Earth to do, right? Yeah. And and I I don't know how I feel about Jason Schwartzman. I think... I don't know if he's funny. <laughs> he's very quirky. He's extremely quirky with his characters. I'm not sure yeah. that it actually works on me, though. Huh. I've always, I've always enjoyed him. I think he's great when he shows up as, you know... I to, what Boy Scout camp counselors type mm-hmm. roles in Wes Anderson films. I think he slayed in Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really intriguing. The first thing I ever saw him in a shop girl. Uh, have you ever, did you ever see a fucking movie, the Claire Danes and Jason Schwartzman? And, no. um, Steve Martin is, I think is the first thing he wrote and directs fucking weird. I don't like that film, but I remember like walking away like, wow, this guy's going to be an interesting person to watch. Huh? Um, First thing I remember seeing him in is Rushmore. Shit, that might have been the first thing he was in. Uh, yeah, that might be because I, yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't see it when it came out, but I saw it later. Uh, and I I think I like him. I think I think he's funny. I, I don't know. He always plays such quirky, weird characters. It's hard for me to empathize with him. Yeah. Uh, although it's, it's not too bad in this movie. I do kind of empathize with his character in this film. Yeah, he's like this really frustrated. Uh, he's kind of like um, uh, young Walter White in this movie. He's just getting, you know, shit on. He's ineffectual, though his yeah. his heart's in the right place. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about anything else in general? Or should we kind of get to the, you know, talk about this, the spoilers of it all? Before that, I'll, I'll give a recap yeah. of kind of like what this movie is about. So this movie stars Jason Schwartzman, and he is an environmental activist who's trying to save... Uh, the local environment before America forgets what it's like to be in the meadow at dusk uh, when, when, when day turns to dusk and he, you know, he's the type type of guy to chains himself to boulders and trees to keep bulldozers from coming uh, in. He keeps seeing this very tall African immigrant man and just thinks it's somehow tied to all the, the, the shit that he's going through in life because he has been, his environmental board has been co-opted by uh, a rising star of this Walmart-type conglomerate, Huckabees. 
and they want to of course drill up the the sw- the, the the marsh and the woods to put in a new Huckabee's expansion um so he hires he 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 finds a, in the mysterious circumstances a business card that advertises two existential detectives and he decides to engage their services to figure out what the how his fate is entwined with this man from Africa and why his life seems to be skidding for uh, careening out of his control and the rest of the movie is Lily Tomlin and Dustin Hoffman as the two detectives trying to help him, you know, give him the different tools that he needs, friends and accomplices in the form of Marky Mark, uh, other teachers and advisors in the, in the, in the guise of a former radical student of theirs that's left and forming, you know, see if you can form human connections with the people that you hate the most. And that's what the movie is about. Mm-hmm. I heart Huckabees, one of my favorite films. All right. Now the spoilers is over <laughs> or now we can talk about the spoilers. Um, what do you think of some, I'm going to, I'm going to throw some of these philosophical thoughts at you and see what you thought of them on first reflection of the movie. Um, everything the same, even though it's different because we're all connected. This is what's known as the blanket truth where Dustin Hoffman has a blanket. He holds in his two hands. He's like, here's you one hand. Here's me. And then he keeps on, you know, moving his hand. It's like, here's a water tower. Here's a dandelion. Here's a plane crash. Here's a stock market. Boom. What, what do you think about this, this concept? This is one of the most dubious ones, uh, for me because I don't, <laughs> I think it's hard to point to, uh, pain and joy and say those are the same thing. They don't feel like the same thing. They certainly don't elicit the same emotion. So how are those the same thing? Because they're at least physically connected and they might be emotionally and spiritually connected. They can spawn from from the same source. I believe that like well, a thing that causes one person joy might cause another person pain. Um, I, yeah, like I said, this is the one that I have the hardest time with. Yeah, it's weird. I think like the best is like, are you familiar with like the Portuguese man of war and how that's not a single organism, but that's a colony of three different types of organisms. The, uh, the the organisms that form its bell are distinct from the organisms that form its like digestive system and guts. And that's distinct from the organisms, the polyps, the coral. These are essentially a coral, uh, a mobile coral reef that forms its stinging tentacles. Um, Mm -hmm. that's, that's the reality of a Portuguese man of war. But, you know, it's like, is the Portuguese man of war the same? Is it different? Is it together? Is it connected? Uh, if you separated that, what is the Portuguese man of war? And I think that's what the movie's point is about you and me. Like, I am connected to some, you know, person in Bangladesh because at the bare minimum, uh-huh. we're all standing on the same ground. We are all surrounded by the same waters. We're all breathing the same air. And yeah, that, that I can get behind. And, and that if we if we ignore that reality, we're going to increase misery in the world at, uh-huh. you know, at the expense of maybe our own pleasure and gratification. Um, yeah, that's that's the part of the episode or episode uh, movie that I really liked. Um, and and I, I I realized instantly what it was trying to say with that as soon as 
Brad has his breakdown and Lily Tomlin takes a photo of him. I'm like, yes. Oh, she's cat. Or, or sorry, it's not Lily Tomlin. It's uh the the, the, the Niles, French whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vaubom, uh, Kat- Katerin Vaubom. Yeah, yeah. Um, as soon as she takes a picture of him, I'm like, oh, she took a picture of uh Albert when his when she did this whole thing with his parents and he was feeling immense pain uh and sadness and that was connecting them i i realized what they were doing and i was like yeah that makes a lot of sense like these people are connected through uh they they can understand each other through pain right um yeah and then you know schwartzman eventually comes around to that too uh, when he sees the photo but i i don't know I, i i i get behind that idea much more than conceptually that pain and joy can be the same thing they're certainly not the same thing for an individual. There's the, the, the movie also makes a point uh, the same French existentialist Nihilist says there's these unique moments of almost bliss where two people or I guess intense connectedness where two people share the deep sorrow of existence. Uh, that's okay. interesting. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I like that because like it's essentially saying that like life is this is so life is um sorrowful like you know like it's it's tragedy we're born we're gonna die we you know it's like spoiler alert we're all going to perish from this earth mm-hmm. unless elon musk can crack the right cocktail of virgin blood and oxygen tint hours per day to unlock immortality mm-hmm. uh, but anyway maybe on Mars other than that happen. Maybe on Mars. Maybe maybe Mars is the undying lands that mm-hmm. we are going to set sail to. But, like, we're all going to die. It's a tragedy. Um, but I don't know. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I, it, it, I, I hate to fully embrace any of these philosophies. Like, whether it's strict determinism of our friend, uh, you know, uh, shit, I forgot his actual name. The uh, Embrace the Void podcast guy. Uh, whether it's this thing because it's just like it just feels like any pure philosophy is too alien and cold like i can't get down with the idea that life is sad and sorrowful just because we are all going to die and life doesn't mean anything like yeah there's yeah. no way that life on balance is misery uh, is it i mean life life on balance by definition should be both misery and joy right yeah but i, I don't know I, I mean i like that that idea that like two people, you know, who are experiencing pain can acknowledge each other's pain, thereby experiencing joy from the pain. I guess that's about as close to pain equals joy and they're all the same as I, I could expect to get. But man, I guess so. Sh- pain, pain shared can equal joy, but pain does not equal joy. I'm sorry. So these, so this, so this derives. So this, the movie then careens into its Mark Wahlberg phase, where you know this meathead nihilism, where he, he says everything is connected. We're all connected. We all have an obligation to each other. And he's like, "Well, shit, I, I can never consume another petroleum product again. I can never buy plastic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start. Uh, I'm, I'm even. I'm going to no longer ride the fire truck, even though six other firemen are going to the exact same place. I'm going to ride my bike to take a moral purity. I'm going to screech at my wife and child that, uh, you know, daddy's not crazy. The world's crazy. And your mom doesn't want to face that reality because she doesn't care. Uh, this guy because because he you know that's that's literally the truth it's like well i can't i can't buy this shoe because some poor kid 
got paid a dollar sixty a month to live in squalor to to make it this pretty thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess the movie posits like how if if we embrace the truth that kind of life sucks and it's unfair and some of us are up some of us down through no like fault or or boon of our, ourselves how do we move about this world in some kind of ethical way sure because it feels like you'd have to rewind so far in our development to get to a point where you could operate in an ethical way that it's impossible uh and and i will admit here here's the part of the movie that i don't quite get i don't understand Mark Wahlberg's actual journey in this movie and, and how he arrives at the destination of, Hey, we're all connected. I, it's something to do with the, the quote unquote betrayal that mm. he feels with, uh, Jason Schwartzman hooking up with the, the author. Uh, I will say this movie really rewards multiple watches because you can see like when she first says the, you know, because because Mark Wahlberg's thesis is we'll all just stay in a, a state of constant. Like since the world is constant <laughs> pain and misery, I will stay in pain and misery always. Uh-huh. And then I can never I will never be off kilter because I'll always be at the natural state of the universe. And she says uh, it's it's not that. um Hold on a second. Pause here for a minute. Let me see if I can find because I wrote this down. This is the balloon thing, right? Yeah. So that, this this leads to Jason Schwartzman and and Mark Wahlberg sitting on his rock that he's trying to save and just bashing each other in the face with this like punching balloon, making their nose sting and, and achieving this uh, uh, the state of nothingness. And she says you can't do that because it's always inevitable. No matter what, we're always going to find a state of balance, whatever that balance is with the natural universe. And then we'll, it's inevitable to return to the drama and suffering. And Mark Wahlberg is, I know bullshit. I can just stay in pain all the time. She goes, well, I'll just prove it to you. And then you're going to understand that she's going to seduce Jason Schwartzman, not only as a point, but also as a point to play, to show the Mark Wahlberg that, he is connected because they, there's a later scene where he feels abandoned and he's sitting on the rock kind of half-heartedly bashing himself in the face. And he has, even even though he's set up a life where he should avoid additional anguish, he's getting it anyway because he's been disconnected. He's experiencing this betrayal, something he shouldn't be able to do if, if pain is the way to go, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, I mean, I don't think he's got a, a real philosophy, but it's funny because I feel I, when I look out at the internet, <laughs> uh, it does seem like a lot of people kind of like are rolling with this defeatist Mark Wahlberg attitude that like. Sure. And it's scary because this movie is almost 20 years old and he a lot of things Mark Wahlberg says about like, you know, we've known the truth about X for so many years and nobody's done anything about it like rings even truer because 18 years down the line, we haven't made that much progress in addressing any of the things, you know, materially that he's complaining about. Yeah. And his, you know, angst over like, even if I wanted to do something about it, there's no way I could do anything in my lifetime that would help, you know? And that's the thing. It's like, um, Mark, Marky Mark says at one point the nihilism is threatening, but I find it pretty compelling. And I think the other movie, uh, one of the things is that this this movie says is like we can't be afraid to ask scary questions. Like we can't be afraid of you know something because of the implications of it. Like if nihilism is false, then you know then you should have no fear because you can fully investigate it and figure out that it's false. And if it's true, then eventually at some point you're going to have to contend with it. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, get get make make peace with the difficult questions. And uh, it's also connected to uh, at some point, um, Mark Wahlberg is throwing hands with people because, you know, that's kind of his thing. Um, uh, Jason Schwartzman, when he feels shame, he beats up himself. When Marky Mark uh, feels pain and shame, he beats up other people. It's kind of on brand for him. Um, and Dustin Hoffman says, no, Mark, that's the spirit you want to keep for your inside battles, which I thought was so because hmm. the first time I watched this, I was, I was reading a book called uh, King Warrior Magician Lover, I think it is. And it's talking about um, how to like fully integrate it. It's it talks about like a lot about toxic masculinity and how we integrate some positive aspects of, uh, of masculinity with, you know, more feminine emotions to kind of come, you know, for as far as men goes, a fully integrated being. Mm-hmm. And it's all about like, yeah, like, why would you turn your aggression out into the world to increase the pain and suffering when you can take that fierceness and apply it to your internal battles? You know, especially if uh, we're all connected. I mean, like, you know, to some degree, the energy you put out there is the energy you're going to get back. Uh, if yeah. you're combative, if you're angry, if you're hostile toward people, you can't control people. You, you barely control yourself. So to the extent that you're right. going to strive and, and punch other people, then, you know, like I said, save that, save, save that for your, your, the, the stuff you need to work on the inside. I thought that was a, a really interesting uh, point of view. The other, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. So here's the question I have about Mark Wahlberg is how does he get from hitting himself in the face with a balloon on a rock abandoned and alone to the breakthrough that he has by the end of the movie that Jason Schwartzman has, in my opinion, actually earned and come by. Honestly, I, I don't understand what bridges that gap for him. I think it's the it's the connection it's, that he experiences with Naomi Watts, but I don't know what. Yes, it's such a weird sequence of events. Like you said, he rides his bike to the fire. He ends up beating the fire department to the fire, which I think, you know, is and feels intense pride. Yeah. That like, ah, I'm here to fire. Where's everybody? They're stuck <laughs> in traffic. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes inside and finds Naomi Watts laying on the floor in a smoke filled room, passed out. And he gets in real close. She wakes up and she starts making out with him. And then the fire department gets there and saves them both. I don't I understand the what the connection there is. So granted, this is a part of the movie that, again, I've seen it four times. This is the one that I'm still kind of puzzling out. But I think I think what they're getting at is that the only way Mark could have met this woman under this circumstances is if this exact situation played out. That he, with his uncompromising stand, went there first, got there before his guys, but he couldn't really do anything. He went in. He was struck by this woman's beauty. Uh, to the extent that he was overcome by smoke inhalation and collapsed uh-huh. on top of her. And he had to have his brother firemen who were in the slower vehicle come and rescue them both. Like okay. he didn't rescue it. Cause that's what I think the movie thinks makes you think that he's going to rescue her. Right. Right. But that wouldn't have taught him anything. The fact mm-hmm. that he is connected to these other guys that he thinks is superior to and relying on them for support. And they're going to like, even though it's clear, the movie makes clear that he has just been an enormous asshole to these guys, probably oh, insufferable. Yeah. Like he's pushed everyone away. They're <laughs> still going to drag him out because they're not assholes and it's their job, you know? Sure. Okay. It's the blanket theory, like in in uh, and and I, I think it's the other thing is like both all these students coming to the conclusion that 
there's even a mini like that's the other like show me the most zen buddhist monk in the fucking planet and i will show you a person within the span of a year or two that is losing their shit because it's not like you know these guys literally sit on top of a mountain hovering in air it's just they get better with experience practice and deliberate uh exercise in their life of returning to balance once Mm -hmm. they get off kilter but they right. still feel that they're still caught up in it. And I think there's a little, le- there's like, there's a mini lesson between the Dustin Hoffman and um, uh, Lily Tomlin and uh, f- a French woman that like, even between these two people that seem like they have it together, there's actually room for moderation in between those two le- worldviews. You can only understand yeah. the one through uh, uh, arriving at the other. It's because like, so uh, yeah, no, continue if you have more on that topic. Sorry. I was- well, it's just like, because this movie is all about the study of contrasts. Like, uh-huh. Dustin Hoffman and Lily Tomlin are, are explicitly shown as the contrast that Dustin Hoffman is always trying to top down, try to understand the parts of things by looking at the whole of things. And Lily Tomlin is the opposite. I can't remember. Yeah. There's one, like, one is the approach of, like, epistemology and one is the approach of deontology. Mm-hmm. One is, like... Uh, I'm learning about the universe by experience and observation. And one is I'm learning about the, uh, uh, the universe through intuition and empathy. I think epistemology is the, the, the observable. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. you're right. I think, I think Lily Tomlin is cause she's the one that's like, like a scientist. She's observing everything. She's writing things down. She's forming uh-huh. hypothesis. Oh, that's false. Why was it false? Because this variable is wrong because you didn't, you, you didn't tell the truth, put that back. And then she gets closer and closer. Dustin Hoffman's trying to intuit from the top. And then, you yeah. know, you're there. You, you think they're diametrically opposed, but then they're both horrified by the open nihilism of the French woman. So it's like, yeah. So the most interesting thing to me in this entire movie, I think, is what happens at the very end where you've realized that it has taken both the Lily Tomlin, Dustin Hoffman approach and the approach of Vauban to bring an understanding uh, th- these two diametrically opposed views to bring an understanding to Jason Schwartzman's Albert character. Yeah. That to me is super interesting. But what's even more interesting is that he asks them like, you guys must be working together. Like this has come together so beautifully and I, it right. has worked so perfectly that you must have intricately planned this together. And they say we are connected to her in no way. We, we are absolutely unconnected to this person, which seems to go against everything that they've been saying the entire movie. And I, I don't know if this is just a moment of comedy and I'm supposed to laugh in the face of that because it's so absurd given the last hour and 45 minutes I've seen of this movie. Or if I'm supposed to be taking away something more uh, meaningful from that objection. Did I you think have a sense wh- of that? So I, I get there's the two things. One I already said is even people who apparently are Zen can be fucked up and insecure like anybody else. Uh-huh. And the other is I think it's a verbal trick because it's it's an it's irony when he says we're not connected. I think he's talking about strictly from a business practice. Like we are not part of the same firm. Right. But how we can are a man not, who this is not part of it. But like philosophy ever say we are not connected. That's the the, the absurd contradiction in the statement. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think it's intentionally that, that's what supposed I was to be like that. Because again, on overall, this movie is a comedy. This movie is supposed to uh-huh. make you laugh. It also makes you think. There's some points I think are like profound where yeah. 
I really like that scene. The French woman takes Jason Schwartzman to his parents' apartment and shows within five minutes, like what mm-hmm. his whole deal is, why he's so insecurely attached to everything in the world. And it's so it's, it's such a like uh Heath Ledger Joker move where she passes this African immigrant, this card and he shows up right at the moment where she is ready to dramatically say, you know, what what is the connection that you have this with this coincidence? This man is orphaned by war. You are orphaned by indifference. Mm-hmm. And then his family starts cutting and on that she is critiquing them. And they instead of listening to this painful critique and maybe improving the relationship with the son, they retreat into grandiosity. Well, who are you to be saying this stuff, you bitch? Mm-hmm. And then she's like, see, this is your mother. This is your mother. Yeah. I thought that was like yeah. really fucking profound. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I really like the the scene where Jude Law, Brad, uh, starts to break down his own identity. Um, it's like yeah. at work. And I think Lily Tomlin and Dustin Hoffman have come in and started harassing him at his job and playing for him the joke that he tells over and over and over and, and showing that this is like you said earlier, a mask that he uses uh, to to hide his true feelings and be what he thinks everyone around him in, rep- in replacing him a personality, replacing a life. Absolutely, He's just a collection yeah. of stories and anecdotes. Yeah, yeah. And if and if that's true, if like his favorite go to story is is something he uses as a crutch, then without it, what is he? You know. And I I well, think that's super and- interesting because like it's a part of him, but. It's also like a a thing that obscures the real him. But what is the real him without that part? You know, well, there's an original wound to him, too, because he's got a younger brother who I think they implied to be on the autistic spectrum. And he's obsessed Uh with geckos. He only will talk about geckos. And he's like, what a you know, what a loser. This guy is just like broken. All you can do is talk about this one thing. And they hit him. Lily Tomlin plays all the times he's told this lame Shania Twain's thing in in the last month or whatever it was. And it's like. You know, your brother actually is a is a charming, open hearted, kind person. And you're looking down at him for being this one dimensional person. But what you know, what the hell are you but this in a suit? And yeah, which leads to the how am I not myself? Yeah, the reactions you're getting from people are giving you some kind of license to be exactly the way he is. But but attribute some positive quality to it instead of negative. Yeah. And see, the other thing that the movie, I think, states, and which I really agree with, is that connectedness and empathy require openness and transparency, because that's one of the first Mm -hmm. things that like Dustin Hoffman and Lily Tomlin insist on. Like, we're going to watch you use the bathroom, masturbate, eat, work, fight, fuck, whatever it is, because like they they said, like, we're a like, you know, you never know what like a drop of sweat at a crime scene will break a case wide open. We're that existentially. So I just, you know, you never know. Like you might be combing your hair and I'm like, ah, that's the thing. Um, but so you, you to get connected in this empathy to, to really embrace the blanket truth of the world. You have to be open and transparent about yourself and what you want out of the world and the moves you're making. But that's at war with our shame, which requires a sense of privacy mm-hmm. requires a, a privacy because we all think it's like we're in this, um, you know, like like mutual assured destruction with the world that like we all think we're uniquely bad and like maybe everybody else would be better if they were connected but like you don't know the shit that i did 
as a child. You don't know the time I stole money out of my grandma's wallet. You don't know the time. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're fuck. Uh, I, I, I don't know what. I, but like, I feel like that's what holds us all back. That we think that like we're uniquely bad and worthy of shame. And if we connected with people that we would everyone would find out the real when reality, I imagine if all of humanity was just like betazoids, we're just all connected. We would yeah. all realize like, oh, we're all kind of fucked up, which means we're all kind of normal. Yeah, we all have totally. weird hangups and issues with our body and our personality and times we weren't proud about the way we handled our friends and families and times that we thought we weren't handled right. And we're, we're hanging on to those bitternesses and those envies. And, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Cause I know you're um, yeah. So like, what did you think of that? Or did you pick up on that message or? Yeah, absolutely. I mean the, the, when, Schwartzman sees the, you know, the photo of Brad being sad. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? They're both broken people. They're both, uh, working within their own coping mechanisms. Um, absolutely. Yeah. It's very ironic too, because the only reason Jude law is in this, but Brad is in this position is because he was trying to destroy Jason Bateman. Yeah. Yeah. He accidentally signed a contract with the, existential investigators thinking he would just distract them from Jason's case or Jason's uh, Albert's case. Yeah. But he got them on his own case. I thought that was a great trap too, where it's like, he's like, well, I'm just going to stop pay-, or, you know, it's like, I just will fire you. He's like, well, you can't fire us. Like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, the, the, aside from the contract, think it through. You're like, you're this executive that's gotten to his position by being normal and approachable and put together and you're going to like you know what's worse that you actually are having an existential crisis to the extent that you've hired detectives or you're pretending to do it just to get over on this lame environmentalist like either one the board's going to be and that like that it's like a prophetic thing that happens because that sends him into a spiral and that happens in front of the board he like vomits himself out yeah yeah no no it's um it's also got a bit of a meta commentary there. I feel like you can't get out of the contract you've signed with life, right? You're going to have to experience all of these different emotions, all of these different things. Uh, you're going to have to interpret them. You are a thinking, intelligent human being, and you're going to grapple with these existential questions at some point. You can't avoid them. And that's kind of what I was reading from him. Like he had put it off for so long like I don't need any of that in my life and then he came to this crossroads where he was absolutely having to think about that stuff and was trapped in it yeah the there's also the other final contrast I want to talk about in the movie was the Christian couple that had adopted the Sudanese refugee Um, because these are people who I think any of the protagonists in the movie would say are asleep. Mm -hmm. They're not even, not only are they not grappling with the hard questions, they're just not even aware. They're not even asking the questions, you know, they're just, they're just supplanting with religion. Mm -hmm. Right, 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 right. And they're doing a lot of things by Marky Mark's uh, rights that are by his lights that are wrong. You know, they're, he's driving some form of gas guzzling SUV, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they have adopted a Sudanese refugee and are, you know, give him a nice life and a nice home and probably patronizing, being being kind of paternalistic about it. But they're doing something to materially lessen the suffering in the world because, in large part, their religion. 
and Marky Mark is hectoring them at this table doing mostly performative self-destructive things that is disconnecting him from everyone in his life. Yeah. I thought that was such a great, cause like at first you think it's like, well, these people are all assholes and Jason Schwartzman and, and uh, Mark Wahlberg are the heroes. But like the more I watch it, the more that scene is very neutral. And uh-huh. then like, you know, it'd be better if everybody is their heart, spirit and mind are aligned but like maybe people that aren't aligned that are actually doing good in the world are better than the people who have the right thoughts and 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 uh, philosophical framework, but are paralyzed by their own bullshit and indifference. Yeah, there, there's a message of of compromise and doing what you can do given the scenario, right? I think with the Rock is sort of a sort of part of that but more so what Mm. brad says at the end right he tried to save some of what was worth saving here in the face of huckabees which is going to just bulldoze the whole damn marsh all all the woods and and build out whatever they're building out uh he was able to save the marsh by giving up half the trees in the woods um I, i think there's a bit of that when it comes to you know environmentalism you can't you can't just like say okay everybody stop driving cars everybody you know we got to stop making concrete we got to you know do all these all these changes right now today and a hundred percent because that's just it it doesn't work like that yeah it's like marky mark said it's like i can i can completely disconnect from the petro market but i can't bring it in in my lifetime no amount of individual action so like that there's another blanket theory it's like Who's who? Who's more effective? A guy who drives a modest car and donates to right causes, and uh, is in is gets in, uh, involved in his local environmental cleanup, and you know is kind of, or is it Marky Mark who just refuses to participate, but also is not doing any of the macro things, you know? Because if it or everyone it guy- driving ten percent less is mm-hmm. better than one out of a hundred people not driving at all. Do you know what sure. I mean? Like yeah, those numbers check out, I think. And, <laughs> Not that a math, but I don't think that bad. And there's also the other component in in Jude Law's character, Brad, who, you know, is part of the system, but working from within the system to do what he can in certain places. And I I think there is value in that too. Um and and you know, ultimately to change a system, you have to convince the people running that system to change it. You can't really change no. it yourself. So yeah. Man, I tell you, the the thing that really punched me in the face when I first watched this movie, because it's the first thing you see, is Jason Schwartzman walking out of his office and his inner monologue that's running. And it's essentially (laughs) the inner critic slash fraud complex that's saying, you are fake, you don't know what you're doing, you better give up. No, I can't give up. This is too important, but... Uh, it's also it's all, I'm also going to be a fail and I'm fraud and everybody's going to find out about me and it just goes on and on and on and I'm like holy shit as long as I've been aware like since the time I stopped playing the Legos that has been in my fucking mind mm-hmm. and, and there's a really vulgar. <laughs> yeah and it's like this thing is it's like I'm now 46 I've been through years of therapy and that guy is still there and present it's just like um like uh, Russell Crowe says in A Beautiful Mind, you kind of have to have a diet of the mind. Like you just have to understand, like, I hear you. You're over there and you're afraid and you're angry and it's going to be OK. But like Dustin Hoffman says something really insightful in the movie where 
he has this uh, he has Jason Schwartzman work on this mindfulness meditation where it's like when he starts going to the place where he just wants to hack Jude Law's face apart with a machete. Uh-huh. Uh, he thinks of his fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Schwermer, who helped him. And she's got a vacuum sweeper that sucks uh, fear and insecurity away. And she beams a, uh, a pure light beam of acceptance towards him at all times. And that doesn't work. But like Dustin Hoffman explains, is like, look, your mind's always going to be occupied with something. Mm-hmm. It might as well be something helpful like Mrs. Schwermer rather than something unhelpful, which is that you're a failure and you're a loser and it's never going to get together. And sure, I, I can't express how much like bullshit this sounded to me in my early 30s and how it's like a daily part of my survival now in my mid 40s that like, it, yeah, it's, you know. Yeah, that's absolutely, you know, part of the the Buddhist thing, too. Right. Where. Like you can acknowledge the thoughts you're having, but not let them immediately affect you. Um, or, and feelings. Or, yeah, yeah, and feelings. It's not just thoughts, but yes, um, that that makes a lot of sense. It's and the diet of the mind makes uh, is a good way to phrase that, I suppose. Yeah, it's just like uh, it's a, there's a there's a breaker between your body and your heart and mind, and you can throw it at any time. Like you can let those emotions rage, you can let those thoughts, and just just like I'm just going to sit here peacefully and let this happen. And usually after five minutes, uh, if you can avoid if you can avoid doing something stupid or self destructive, then yeah, you know, like and honestly, that's all it takes to start. If your life is in a tailspin, if you can just do that, man, that's such a huge benefit. To like, you know, if you're always saying stuff you later regret or doing things you later regret, then the first step is like becoming aware of the thoughts and feelings that you're having to lead to those bad actions, and then recognizing when you have them, and then flipping that breaker switch for as long as you can throw it you know <laughs> sure uh and uh and i and then at the, the next level is like i said the empathy understand that everybody's going through this all the time yeah um, yeah uh, i do love this movie and i feel like i get something out of it every single time i watch it and i haven't watched it a bunch but um again and and the fact that this beautiful movie about empathy and you know being in control of yourself and not trying to control others. And I, I, this is on YouTube. Look up like David O. Russell, I heart Huckabee's Lily Tomlin. will be the first result. Hmm. This man is fucking losing his mind, uh, uh, you know, to this, this, this poor woman on set. I, I don't know how they're like, Maybe and maybe that's the blanket theory at work. I've I've got to empathize with David O. Russell, thinking a guy like yeah, he yeah. knows all the right answers, and he's the most imperfect of all of us. Uh, well, I maybe that's maybe that's like shitting on him too hard, but sure, like sure, it's a it's a real conundrum. Like I said, uh, he's the anti Mister Rogers. Mister Rogers preached, uh, walked what he talked, followed what he preached, and David O. Russell is a little bit of a, a hypocrite. But the movie deals with that, like. Mm-hmm. this movie condemns him his own damn self so weird so weird yeah and also uh you know condemns him but also gives him the way out too right um that's the thing the the philosophy says yes you can feel these things you can do these bad things but on balance you, you but you're going to come back to balance right and do maybe that's what this movie is about maybe getting the message out there is the balance when maybe you can't attain the lofty goals you've set within the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, I wonder if he's better. 
I wonder better? if like I I I, I would now, like to twenty years ago. Yeah, because I know some of the I, I haven't heard any like real meltdown stories from him for the last because he also hasn't you know like American Hustle was what six years ago now seven. Uh, hmm. I wonder if he has you know slowly but surely started like getting a little bit more zen. I'm gonna I'm definitely when the Amsterdam comes out I'm gonna be looking for making of and see if there's any vault because here's another star studded cast like surely some of these people will tell stories if there are stories to be told so. I noticed, How am I not myself, Jim? <laughs> I noticed something in this movie that surprised me. Like, genuinely okay. shocked me. If if you go to the scenes where... Uh, the, the scene where Naomi Watts is, like, super pissed that, he's, that Brad has hired these existential investigators and they're in his mm. house. Mm-hmm. In the background, on his kitchen counter, you can see an Amazon package. With the, the you know, that, that smiley swoosh thing whatever yeah in 2004 that is some early product placement for amazon god yeah because it was founded just 10 years before and and it was like nothing right i mean no no hardly anybody knew what amazon was in 2004 that's before smartphones were a thing that's That's before you could you could yeah just dial it up on your app and order something i was they definitely expanded because like i think um I remember like there was this like before 2000 where there's this boundless optimism for the Internet, like, you know, like the pets dot com, like people will buy their dog food and all that stuff off the Internet. And then, yeah, like that all collapsed and it turns and out it everyone will true. buy their dog. It all came. It <laughs> yeah. all came true. We just like they just got the uh, the logistics for it. Uh, uh, they got. Well, I think what makes it work is a bunch of venture capitalists. Uh, yeah. Because I don't yeah bad business models until they can find a good one. Yeah. But it shows us like what we want. So like, like it's, it's weird. Like I, I just don't know what we're going to do with our modern day life, whether like DoorDash will just go away for like stuff like, well, are we mm-hmm. set for another crash where all this stuff gets fucked over and goes away and people are like, well, of course it did. How the hell did you ever think that this was going to work? And then 10 years later, it'll work for real because we'll have the automation Probably. and logistics. Done, so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Amazon. I did not notice that. That's wild. Yeah. Anything else we want to talk about in the Huckabees of it all? Are we ready to Fuckabees? (laughs) I guess, man. I love that scene. Oh, another one I loved was the sprinkler scene where they're the existential investigators are (laughs) creeping across the lawn to try and examine Jude Law's trash. Mm -hmm. uh, And they're dodging sprinklers the whole way. I just thought that was funny. There's a lot of really funny stuff like Lily Tomlin diving in the backseat of some coworker <laughs> to get stuff. And there's like a lot of physical uh, odd couple comedy with their like being intellectually turned on and stimulated by exp- exploration of each other's philosophies. Um, mm-hmm. I really do like Hoffman and uh, Tomlin's chemistry in this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's really, really entertaining. Yeah. And it's it's one of my favorites. Like I said, it's if you if the sum total of everything in this movie, I think, is my life's philosophy or the closest thing I have to a religion other than, of course, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm glad you liked it. I was worried because this is I think this movie is unfairly maligned. I think the two star review is a boomer ass yeah. review. Is a boomer <laughs> parent ass review by Roger Ebert. I think the 60 percent rotten is this not a rotten movie on rotten tomatoes no it's barely fresh but it's 63 percent. so it's boring yeah 
I, I keep on waiting for this movie to get n- mentioned in the great cult hits of our time, like the cult movie. But like this movie still languishes in obscurity and it's only I guess it's coming up on its 20th anniversary here in a couple of years. So maybe it'll get to do then. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a real good time. I hope a lot of people uh, get to see it. Um, crucially, I should have said this at the very beginning of the goddamn podcast. This movie is free right now on HBO Max. I know a lot of people with the House of the Dragons and the Westworlds of it all. has I've, I've probably got a fresh subscription on that. You can watch it for free. It's an hour and 40 minutes. It pa- packs a lot of punch in an hour and 40 minutes, too. Yeah, free with uh, your paid subscription to HBO Max. Free with the thing. You're, it's it's a bonus. It's a bonus. You know, it's like gotcha. uh, prime shipping. You're already paying for it, so you might as well use it every day for next day. <laughs> Generate so well much trash and waste. To listen yeah. to you while you sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I sleep in my kitchen, apparently. <laughs> you do in the sink. It's very cute. It's adorable. <laughs> you have a little nest there. All it's right, everybody. Too. We'll be back with another prestige film. Hopefully, a, a prestige television show here soon enough. We got our eyes on a couple, um, but until then, we're gonna we're gonna be doing some some great prestige hits. Uh, don't forget also, this is something that I forced by Fiat because I saw it was on HBO and I started thinking about it and I want to know what Jim thought about it. But uh, if you are a club member on Patreon, you can actually vote. We give three prestige movie suggestions each week and we let our producers and above vote on those. Uh, which, which the executive, the executive producers, producers get to vote. the check signers. The shot mm-hmm. callers get to tell us which of the three movies that we present. We just take three movies from our given year. And uh, if you want to get in on that, uh, then uh, subscribe to support us at support.baldmove.com. Until then, until the next time, until the next prestige, until you support us, whichever comes first. I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.